we are starting a brand new series entitled who's your one who's your one who's your one and um and here's what we believe we believe that um everybody has been assigned a group of people or person I genuinely believe that. I believe that God didn't call for Pastor Road to reach every single person in this universe. That he's actually, he's actually called you. That he's called, there's somebody, I'll say it this way, there's somebody that's waiting to call upon the name of the Lord. They're waiting to call upon the name of Jesus. But they'll never be able to call upon the name of Jesus unless someone shares with them about this amazing Savior and Lord that we serve. And I'll prove it to you because it's broken down in Romans chapter 10. Like there is there is someone that has been assigned to you. And so in the next four weeks, we're going to be unpacking this idea of who's your one. Here's what we're not going to do. What we're not going to do is you might hear some things that are going to be passionate. You might hear some things that are full of zeal. There's some things that I'm going to share that are that that might even feel like they're challenging you in your comfort zone. But none of it is meant to make you feel guilty. None of it is meant to bend your arm behind your back. Everything that you're going to hear, in fact, is to empower you and to equip you so that you can make a difference in the world and in the circle around you. Anybody grateful for that? And here's why. Because your faith is personal, but it's never meant to be private. I'm going to say that again. I said your faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private because there are people who are assigned by God to you for the purpose of hearing what God has done in you. And I just want to read this to you in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. I'm sitting down because I have to preach a two hour message in 30 minutes. <laughs> Lord help me. And it says this in verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that exciting news that anyone and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. In other words, this is not a this is this is not just for a specific chosen group of people. That it's anyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14 throws you in for a twist, but how can they call? How can they call on him to save them unless 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 they believe but then how could they believe how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent I want to talk to you on this title. It's really the title of our message series. And it's simply this, who's your one? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you, God, for these precious moments that we have today. Thank you, Lord God, that you are speaking to your children today. You are speaking to us, Lord God. And I really believe that your message is going to penetrate our hearts today. That we will walk out of here not the same way we walked in. We'll walk out of here with a new awakening, with a new, 
with a new hope, with a new excitement, with a new zeal to share your love with this world. I pray you help me preach this two-hour message in 30 minutes. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen and amen. Give God a praise in this house. Thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate it. You're good? Yeah. Um, uh, I've been a parent now for 17 years. Can you imagine that? 17 years, y'all. Any parents in the house? Do we have any parents? Uh, man, man. Do we have any happily parents in the house? I mean... I said, do we got any parents in the house that love their kids with all their heart? <laughs> parents, um, you know, one thing about parenting is that God will speak to you through your kids. Like he will speak to you through your kids because one of the primary ways that God actually relates with us is from a paternal perspective. He relates to us as a heavenly father, as a, as a parent to us. And um, throughout the years, God has always spoke to me through my children. And... Um, and, and some of you may have heard this story. I've shared this at Growth Track. And, but it's one of those stories that it's like watching the movie Titanic. You go watch it a million and one times. Any Titanic fans in the house? Like, I could, like, I'll be just, it'll just come on. I'm like, I got to stop everything I'm doing because I got to watch the Titanic. Um, but, my, but God has spoke to me through our kids. And I want to introduce to you to an eight-year-old bishop. Anybody say, aww. You guys might know 17-year-old bishop, but this is my 8-year-old bishop, all right? That's right. He was always Superman to me. Now, now this is 8-year-old bishop, and I'm bringing this up because 8-year-old bishop got lost, y'all. Now, I maintain the position that I've never lost my children. I've never lost my children, but there is someone in this house who is the executive pastor of our church who lost my son. He lost my son. And I'll share this story over and over again because I think it serves as a perfect example of God's love towards us. And, and, and I, 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 I asked my brother who was 19 at the time, and I said, hey, can you watch my son? Because I got to go get a massage from one of the electric chairs in the mall. You know what I'm talking about? Like, just, this is just amazing. You just sit down on them and you're in heaven. And so I said, hey, can you watch my son for real quick? He wanted to be with his uncle and so I leave him with uncle Reuben and I walk over to over to get a massage from this chair and I'm sitting down and I'm experiencing this massage a few minutes later I go back and I see Reuben and Reuben is alone he doesn't have my son to which I'm saying hey Reuben where is my son and he's like what do you mean I thought he was with you I didn't have your son I'm not responsible and if you know Reuben he can make an argument out of anything. So he makes a three-point defensive argument against me. Hashtag, Amanda, that's your problem now. <laughs> and he's making this argument. I have to shut it down. I don't even argue with him at this point. I go immediate, immediate operation. Let's find bishop mode. And I go in the corridors of the mall, and I'm yelling bishop's name. I kid you not. I look like a lunatic yelling his name. I'm like, bishop! I'm yelling at the top of my lungs. If you ever lost your kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your heart begins to race. You start, your pupils start, like you just start going wild. And I'm calling out Bishop's name. Poor people. People were looking like, who's this 250 pound man who is yelling in the wall for his kid? They didn't even know what to do with it. I'm yelling. I'm saying, I'm calling Bishop. They're holding their kid. Oh my God. Oh, this is crazy. Guy. And then they start realizing that it was just his father looking for his son. And immediately, 
sort of recruited some people. Huh? I was like, hey, you, I need you to help me. You, I need you. Complete strangers. I said, I need you to help me. I lost my son. Here's what he's wearing. He's eight years old. Mitch, and people started modeling up. People were like, yes. He's like, hey, let's help this man find his son. Somebody was like, hey, let's close the doors of the mall. Let's make sure we find his son. And it was only a few minutes, but it felt like an eternity. It's only for a few, literally maybe a minute or so, but how many of you know that that minute lasts a lifetime when you're trying to look yeah. for your son? Like, and I went, I was just like, where is my son? I was looking at people. I'm like, did you put my son in your pocket? Like, I would go, I would, I was, everybody, I was looking for, I was, a father was desperate looking for his son. And moments later, Bishop comes running to me. And I remember kneeling down and I was wearing this nice leather jacket. And I pick up Bishop and I hug him. And I was so glad that my son who was lost has now returned to me. And it's crazy because only maybe a couple of hours later, I ask him, I say, Bishop, I say, well, how did it feel? Like you were here? Did you hear me yell at the top of my lungs looking for you? He goes, no, I never heard you. I was like, what do you mean? I was screaming at the top of my lungs looking for you. I thought that that's why you ran to me. He goes, no. He goes, actually, what happened was is that I, when, I saw, when I realized that you weren't around, I went to a kiosk operator. And that kiosk operator said, okay, wait a second, are you lost? And I said, I think I'm lost, I'm just looking for my dad. And then moments later, he goes, hey, I think I hear your dad calling. So I said, so you never heard my voice? He goes, no, I just heard that guy, and he said that he heard your voice. Isn't it interesting what I realized that day that Bishop never actually heard my voice. He had to hear the voice of someone else who already heard my voice. And it was, it was someone who already heard my voice that now introduced Bishop and told him, hey, I think that's your dad looking for you. Can I tell you, can I tell you what you are? Can I tell you what we are? Those that have heard the voice of the father already. We are that kiosk operator that is simply going to people who are lost, people who need rescuing, people who need healing, and letting them know, hey, I think I hear your father calling. I think there's a father that loves you. There's a father that wants you. There's a father that's willing to do anything to bring you home. There are some people that are never going to hear the voice of God until they hear the voice of God in your, in your life. I thank God that that kiosk operator wasn't indifferent. I thank God that that kiosk operator wasn't, wasn't just minding his own business. I thank God that that kiosk operator didn't stay silent because if he, if he would have stood silent, could it be that Bishop would have walked further and further away? But he heard a father calling for his son. And can I tell you that in the same way that that kiosk operator heard the voice of the father before Jesus, before Bishop did, there are some people that are going to need to hear your voice before they hear the Father's voice for themselves. There's some people in your coffee shop that need to hear your voice before they hear the Father's voice for themselves. There's some people in your workplace that they need to hear your voice. They might need to hear your voice before they ever hear the Father's voice for themselves. There's some people, there's some people in your coffee shop. There's some people in your inner circle. There's some people in your salon. There's some people in your restaurant. There's some people that you're dining with. There's some people that you're having breakfast with. There's some people that you are connected with and they might just have to hear your voice before they can ever hear the voice of the father 
Who's your, who's your, who's your one? Because there are people that are, they're waiting to call upon the name of the Lord. They're waiting to call upon the name of the Lord. But they might need to hear your voice before they can hear his voice on their own. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Did you hear that? Everyone. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe if they never heard about him? And how could they have heard about him if no one has ever told them? Paul is writing to the church in Rome almost as there's an expectation of someone who's received God's love and saying, hey, if you've received God's love, it wasn't just for the sake of you receiving God's love and being coddled and cozy. It's for the sake that if you receive God's love, you would be an extension of God's love in the life of someone else. Hey, if you've been rescued, it wasn't just so that you can be rescued and be safe in the boat. It's so that you can be rescued and become from being rescued to become a rescuer. Why? Because your faith was personal, but it was never meant to be private. And here's the beauty that it's not for a selective few. It's for everyone. Look at the person next to you. Tell them everyone. Tell them everyone. Tell them everyone. You know who that includes? That includes everyone and anyone. That means it's your barista. That means it's your mother-in-law. Come on, somebody. Um, that means it's your cousin. That means it's your weird uncle. That means it's that family member that you don't really like but you tolerate. That means it's everyone and anyone. I wish there was, it was just a selected few sometimes. You know, you get, I don't want it to be the people that annoy me, but God says that it's for anyone and everyone. There is someone that is waiting to call upon the name of the Lord, but they don't know how because their spirit hasn't been activated yet and their spirit will never be activated to call upon the name of the Lord unless they believe but they're never going to believe unless 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 someone tells them about this wonderful Jesus that we serve that's just the way it works it's it's as if God has thrown this amazing party only first to this 40th birthday party that Lisa threw me come on somebody I don't know about you, but she threw me this 40th amazing birthday party. But could you imagine that she prepared everything? She had the lights. She had everything. She had the cake. She had it all. Everybody contributed. But she forgot to send the invites. She forgot to, can I tell you, can I, can I be honest with you? God has already prepared it all. God has already taken care of it. But he says, you're my invite. That's what he says. He says, you're my invitation. You're my billboard. You're my advertisement. You are the invitation that I've sent to the world to let them know, hey, there's a father in heaven that loves them. There's a father in heaven that cherishes them. There's a father in heaven that's already prepared it all. All you got to do is come and show up and accept his grace, accept his love, accept his goodness, and accept his kindness. 2 Corinthians says, verse 5 and 17 will say it this way. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And here it goes. See, he's prepared the party already. He's already done what you can't do. He's already accomplished what you could never accomplish. 
But then he says, but I've still given you a responsibility. I've given you the task of reconciling people to him. Verse 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. You know that verse wrecks me all the time because it's the message that he's given us. The message that God has given us to tell the world is, hey, God's not counting your sins against you anymore. Why is it that we've determined in our hearts to preach another message? When the message that he's given us, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. What's our message? Come back home. Come back to God. Can I tell you what repentance is? Come back to God. It's, it's not, hey, hey you, need to, you need to be mindful of your sins. You need to be mindful of your shortcomings. Is hey, God doesn't hold your sins against you. God doesn't hold your shortcomings against you. God has already bridged the gap. God has already taken care of the sin issue. And now you can come to him and experience true life. And, and, and this is what the pattern in scripture is. It's, hey, we got a message. And once you receive that message, now you share that message. That God has done something in your life, you've experienced the love of God, is so that you can be a conduit now and share that love with someone else. And you'll see this in the pages of Scripture. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 40, can, if, we, if we can bring it up, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two disciples who heard John and followed Jesus. So who preached to Andrew? Who was it? John. So here you have John... John shares the message of God's love. Who experiences that message? Now it is Andrew who experiences that message. But look what Andrew does. Andrew at once. Someone shout at once. In other words, you don't got to go to seminary to tell somebody about God's love. You don't need a four-year degree to tell someone about God's love. Andrew at once found his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Andrew brought Simon to who? To Jesus. Did you see it? So, so now Peter experienced God's love through Andrew, who experienced God's love through John, not knowing all the time when John was preaching that Peter would be the one to lead the first 3,000 to Jesus after the resurrection. John was simply being obedient. My man... Andrew got a taste of that, and then Peter did the same thing to the 3,000. Who is your one? Because John would say it was Andrew. Andrew would say it was Peter. Peter would say it was the 3,000. I'll show it to you again. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, uh, excuse me. Lucas, can you come up here for a second? Lucas Cayuch. Yes, that's you. I'm looking at you. That's the handsome young man. Can we give it up for Lucas real quick? He didn't know I was going to do this. Like Lucas has been, Lucas, I didn't invite Lucas to Kuhau. I didn't, I didn't invite, I mean, Lucas right now is in training to be a leader and is on track to be a pastor. Come on, somebody. But you know that I didn't invite 
Luke to Kuhau. Luke, can you say right here? See, this is, this is where it gets like interesting because I didn't, I didn't invite Lucas to Kuhau, but he's in Kuhau fulfilling his purpose, got baptized here, now is on track to be a pastor. He got, invite, he, he got invited by someone named Jenny. But I didn't invite Jenny either. So Jenny's one was Lucas. John, can you come up here for a second? Give it up for John. I praise God that Jenny's watching over our kids right now. Unless Jenny's here. If you're in here, report to duty. Huh? She's in the back. Jenny, come down, come down. She in the back room? Okay, she's not. She's, she's, uh, oh, she's in the back room. Okay, got you. She's where our cool our kids. So, 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 uh, Maylene Miranda, can you come up here? Yes, you, yeah, yeah, you come up. So, so watch this. So, Maylene... John didn't know anything about Kuhau. Maylene was, come here, May. Maylene invited John. John wasn't coming to Kuhau. Maylene just started coming to church, right? John was having issues because I was discipling May. He was having issues with the amount of text messages that was going back and forth over here. He's like, who's this Rolando that you're talking to all the time? I'm like, relax, homie. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to help you out here, okay? <laughs> But I invited her to church. Oh, and she wasn't easy. She had, she had the, what I call the spirit of I know. I know, Pastor, I know. I know. I know I got to be in church. I know Jesus loves me. But we invited her to church and she, she finally came. You let God... You, get, you let God be in charge of the results. But you see, we didn't know that inside of a Maylene was a John. See, because... And I didn't know that inside of a John and inside of a May was a Jenny. Who is now our children's director and the director of first impressions at our church. And I didn't know that inside of a Jenny, she would bring her whole family. Yeah. <sighs> Where now, this is a generational blessing that's taking place. You know why? Because there's a one that's assigned to you. And, and you don't know the tribe that God has called you to give birth to in the spirit. John was just being obedient. Andrew got, caught wind of it. It wasn't even Peter who caught wind of it. But it was Peter who God was choosing to bring 3,000 people to Jesus. And John was just being obedient. Andrew caught wind of it. He goes and does what he does in being obedient, and he reaches Peter. Peter now ministers and becomes essentially one of the head leaders of the church. I wonder who's your one. I wonder who's, who's the person that God is. Can, can I show it to you again? Can we give it up for these guys right here? Thank you so much. Stephen, Stephen Gutierrez, can you come up here real quick? Come up here, run, 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 real quick, real quick. Two seconds, two seconds. Stephen is doing our sound real quick. Can we get it up for Stephen? 
Stephen, Stephen's, run up right, look at this. This guy's the first best looking guy here. Definitely the first smelling looking guy. He smells so good. I just. Lisa Paso didn't invite Stephen to church. Who invited you here? Danny May. Who's that? My wife. Mm. Oh, Danny Ray, can you come up here? Corre, corre, corre. Give it up for Danny Ray! Oh, so. So, give it up for Danny Ray. Look at this. He's serving in our sound team. All right, relax, calm down, okay? I'm preaching here. Danny Ray is serving in our broadcast ministry right now. But, oh, I didn't. They weren't assigned to pastoral and lead to bring to the kingdom or to church. Or... Who invited you here? Emily. Emily Murray, can you come up here? And then Emily came through Mama Friend. Oh, you invited. Oh, you want to take credit for Mama Friend too. Okay, so. Mama Friend. You see what's happening? Because of Emily, who brought Mama Friend, Emily, who invited the Gutierrez's or invited Danny Ray, Danny Ray invited her husband. We didn't know that that was going to happen with a 13 year old girl. Thank you so much, guys. Could we give it up for more, one more time? So, 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 so when, when, when Maylene invited Jenny to Christ Uncensored, she wasn't serving the Lord. She came to faith here in Christ Jesus. She got baptized. She finished growth track. She finished matrix. She's serving now on a leadership uh, position, and she's on track to be ordained as one of our associate pastors by September of next year. Watch. Maylene wasn't giving her that invitation. She was just saying, hey, can you come with me to church? And it was in a small living room where Jenny said, I want to follow Jesus. I'll never forget it. I want to follow Jesus. And she gave her life to Jesus. And in saying yes to Jesus, God opened up the windows of the kingdom for her. Can we give God a praise in this house? Okay. Okay. So with the two minutes and a half that I got. All right, here we go. I want to give you three keys that are going to help you reach your one. Three keys. Three keys that are going to help you reach your one. Here's the first one. Number one, tell them about God's love. How do you reach your one? Number one, tell them about God's love. If you're watching and online and you're wondering, how can I reach my friend? How can I reach my one to Jesus? Can I just tell you? First thing is tell them about God's love. Number two, share with them God's love, what God's love has done in you and for you. Number three, become the evidence that God's love works. So, so what's the first one? Tell them about God's love. Corinthian tells us that we have been given the message, and it's the message of reconciliation. And it says that we are literally speaking on Christ's behalf, saying, hey, come back home. And so often we don't witness to people because we've overcomplicated the message. 
See, so many times we don't share and we don't talk about our faith because what we have done is that we've overcomplicated the message by adding things that, and elements that are part of Christianity, that are part of the Bible, but they're not necessarily the message that we've been entrusted with to share with the lost or share with people that don't know Jesus. The message that we've been given is the message of reconciliation. Paul will call it elsewhere. He'll call it the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. In the Greek is the euangelion, which in that time it was used as, as a term to describe the nearly too good to be true news. In other words, if you were going to use this word, the news had to be so good that it was almost so, it was impossible for you to believe. You ever had that moment where something sounded too good to be true? Like you get a deal, but you got to now 58 payments for the rest of your life that you got to, you know what I'm talking about? Well, this was the nearly too good to be true news. This was the you on Gelion. And God has given us this ministry to tell people come back home. But unfortunately, what we've experienced, what others have experienced is a different message that has just been convoluted and confused people. Because we're not telling people to come back home. We're telling people this. Can we put that up on the screen? Turn to Jesus or burn in hell. See, see, unfortunately, those that might be representing God the most in their words and in their speech and in their signs, unfortunately, may be the ones misrepresenting him the most. Because you'll never find this in scripture being proclaimed turn or burn <laughs> you will never find that in scripture you won't find the implications of it and unfortunately what has happened throughout the years is that we've turned the greatest news on the planet to a pathetic ultimatum It's the greatest news on the planet. What is the greatest news on the planet? God is not holding your sins against you. And as a matter of fact, if you're ever wondering what was the message that God has called us to share, it's the gospel, which he outlines in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is how he says it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, Jesus Christ died for our sins. This is the apostle Paul. He says, I have given you this of first importance. Do you know that there's a difference in terms of hierarchy of importance? How many of you know that you need to get the priority right? And what creates division in the kingdom is not that we disagree on everything, it's that we disagree on the priority. What brings division in the kingdom is simply that, that we're disagreeing on the priority. And, what, and when you take the, set, the secondary things and you make them the thing, that creates division. But if we were just to look at making the main thing the main thing, you would see a lot more unity in the body of Christ than separation. And what happens is, is that we get so confused about the message and everything that we got to say, and we got to learn the whole Bible in order to share about God's love. And I just want to tell you, there are things that, there are things that are in the Bible that don't necessarily mean it's the message that we have to share to people. Hey, do you know that the priests, we had to circumcise, you got to get circumcised. No, 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 like he's given us a message and it's the message of the gospel. And there are some things that we call the gospel that are not the gospel. You might hear a choir say, that's gospel. That's, that's a gospel-themed music, but it, it's not the gospel. Yeah. 
I want to tell you right now that there are some parts of the Bible that you'll find that we are to learn, that we are to explore, but it doesn't mean that they are the gospel. Okay? I know, I know some of you are like, what are you saying, Pastor? The wrath of God is not the gospel. The gospel is not sharing the wrath of God. The gospel is not sharing the judgment of God. The gospel is not telling people how sinful they are, and if they don't repent of their sins, that they are going to burn for eternity. That is not the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that these elements are not found in the Bible, and and these are things that we are to unpack and discover and learn, but they are not the message that we as followers of Jesus are to introduce to people at first notice. We got so many people misrepresenting Jesus and misrepresenting the gospel because we take everything that is found and we call it the gospel. Paul just called the gospel message these three things. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that Jesus Christ has appeared to you. You want to know what the gospel is? Well, John clarifies it again. He says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to die for our sins. And now Corinthians says, we ought to tell the world, hey, God ain't holding your sins against you you can come back to God you ain't gotta be judgmental you ain't gotta be weird please 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 you know one of one of the greatest compliments that we get as a church when people come here that never heard from God they're like yo we come here and it's just like Everybody's normal. They're just like regular people. (laughs) Can you imagine that God's people have been stained to the degree that we're seen as weird? I'm not talking about set apart. I'm not talking about holy. You know the difference. I know how to walk in holiness and not be weird. Because I could already hear the zealots. Oh, of course we're weird because we're holy. No, no, no. I know how to walk in holiness and not be weird. You got to be in somebody's comment section. Anyway. Anyway. Hey, hey, you ain't got to know everything either. You don't got to be a know-it-all. You could be like the guy in John chapter 9. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know who he is, really. I just know that I once was blind. So, so the first thing is to share the message of God's love. Here's the second thing. Share with them what God's love has done in your life. Share with them what God's love has done in your life. Here's what, the, here's what people can't take away from you. They can't take away your testimony. You know what they couldn't take away from the man in John chapter 9 who was blind? They, they, could, they, could t- they were able to take away his theology. They were able to take away his, his, his religion. They were able to take those things away because they were like, there's the Sabbath. You can't heal on the Sabbath. Who is this man? Are you a follower of him? He's like, I don't know. I know this. I once was blind. 
and now I see. And, 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 and look what it says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says they had the power over him, the devil, and won because of the blood of the lamb. That's grace. That's what Jesus Christ did. That's the forgiveness of sins. And by telling what he had done for them. That's your testimony. And God has given us a unique testimony. Listen, we've all, all of us have experienced the love of God in some capacity. But we have uniquely experienced the love of God in a personal way. I have experienced, God loves each and every one of us as if there were only one of us and it's only his love that it has the capacity to do that and he says i've given you a testimony so what's your testimony that can i tell you your testimony might be the most underpromoted thing in the world i man i look for reasons to share a testimony i'm at that place I'm at that place where I bl- like I'm. I'm at the place where I'll rebuke the devil for no reason, and I'll testify of God's goodness for no reason. Like you know what I mean? Like my mom taught me the you know I don't know if it's the right way, but it's a good way. Like you know when someone get, I mean I don't know when someone gave you extra money change, she'd be like that's a blessing of the Lord. Now that's taking it too far, okay? But that's taking it too far. <laughs> she'd be like. Listen, that's a blessing from God. They gave you $20 extra. Man, I'm at that place and I'm, I'm looking for reasons to bless the name of the Lord and share my testimony. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The other day I was stuck in traffic. And I said, Lord, part this traffic like you parted the Red Seas. And guess what? I'm going to tell the world about that testimony. Yeah, he parted the Red Seas. He cured me from cancer. He fixed my foot that I was born with my foot twisted. He healed me for irritable bowel syndrome. He healed me from vertigo. God has healed me. God has saved me. God restored my marriage. I'm here to brag about and testify about the goodness of God. That's my testimony, but, but you have one. And, and it's interesting because your testimony, it's actually the equipment that God will use to, to allow other people to experience their testimony. So I want to I direct your eyes to the screen as we hear someone's testimony for the next Hi, moment. my name is Amanda. I've been going to Kuhau since October of 2020. I started my journey with Kuhau in 2020 quarantine. I felt a desire for community. I think at the time I was really lacking it. I was fresh out of high school. I was a senior in 2020 and I wanted a godly community and I didn't really know what that would look like, you know, coming out of high school, not being able to talk about my relationship with God and and having so many questions. I grew up a Christian in a Christian household. I visited churches growing up. I never felt like I had a home church. I never knew what that would feel like and I felt a pooling to Kuhau. I remembered I had gone a couple of times growing up and I was like, you know what, I want to check this out now fresh out of high school, transitioning into adulthood. I was trying to convince my family to go. I was scared to go alone. I was like, I can't go by myself. Um, My aunt was visiting at the time and she offered to take me. And she's like, yeah, just come with me every Sunday. I was like, yes, like I'll go with you. She came to pick me up and I started going. It's November of 2022, it's been two years. It's a completely different experience. Searching for God on your own and developing a relationship with God on your own, I learned that God calls you to community. God calls you to develop together. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ro gave a word about the promises that God has in the, in the Bible. He's almost always addressing a people, not an individual, a people. It's clear that God calls us to be in community, to be with each other. 
part of me was afraid that I wouldn't experience that, I wouldn't be a part of a community. I've since been baptized, I finished Matrix, I've developed a family, and now I'm part of the prayer counselors team. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm gonna get emotional. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that whatever God is gonna have me do, it's deeply rooted in the house that He called me to. And it all started with the offer, the invitation to take me to church. Come on, give God a praise in this house. As our worship team comes up, I want to give you the final point to our message today. Number three, the way you can reach your one is by becoming the evidence that God's love works. I want to be the evidence that when people look at my life, they can look at it and say, God's love works. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be invited to a financial conference by someone who's in $20,000 debt, credit card debt, on materialistic things. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to be in, invited to a conference to experience financial freedom, and the teacher is in debt and struggling themselves. There's no judgment there, but there is this idea that there's a part of our human experience and our human nature that would love to see the evidence of something functioning and working before subscribing to it. The Bible says that no one has ever seen God. That's what the Bible says in, in uh, the letters, the epistles of John. It says no one's ever seen God. But if they've seen the love you have for one another, then love would be perfected. So it's like, wait, like no one's ever going to see, no one's ever seen God. But when they see God in your love, they would be like, that's perfect love. And the Bible says, by this you will know that you are my disciples, by the way you love one another. In other words, there are people that are willing to look, that are going to look at you and be like, oh, oh yeah. Isaiah follows Jesus. Because look what God's love has done in his life. Look what, look what God has done in your life. I want to be the evidence for someone Hey, God's love works because he did it for me and I'm nobody special Then I know that he can do it for you. And I could look, man, if he did it for Maylene, I know, listen, I've seen Maylene go through some things. I've seen Pastor Marquez go through some things. I've seen Ruben go through some things and I take inspiration to say, God, you're not a, you're not, you don't make exceptions of people. And so if you did it for Maylene and if you did it for Pastor Marquez and if you did it for Ruben and if you did it for Lisa, then I know you can do it for me. In John chapter four, we find a, a woman that meets Jesus at a well who has a promiscuous past. Bible says that Jesus says, hey, you have five husbands and the one that you're living with now is not your husband. So this woman was a woman of ill reputation. In other words, that when she would 
talk to people culturally, there would be no, there wouldn't be much respect for a woman of her reputation. In other words, she wouldn't have too much influence. But Jesus did something in her life. So much so that she goes back to her neighborhood. She goes back to her cul-de-sac. She goes back to that place and she says, come meet a man. Come meet a man. I wonder if, if they saw something in her that changed. Wait, wait, wait. That's not. That, we call her the Samaritan woman. Let's call her Samara. That, that's, that's, some, that's a who? That's, that's Samara? I don't know. There's something different about her. And if, and, if, and if whoever this man is did that in your life, I want to meet this man that you're saying, come meet this man. I want to be the evidence that God's love works. Kev, if you could play something. So, so here's what we're believing. What we're believing is, in the same way the Samaritan woman went back and reached her community she reached the people that were assigned to her Jesus could have gone to that neighborhood he didn't he met with her and because she heard his voice first an entire neighborhood an entire village encountered Jesus so much so that they go on to say at first we believed because of what you said but now we can hear his voice for ourselves and now we believe because we've encountered him would you stand up on your feet on your chair you're going to find this card that says, who's your one? Would you just hold it in your hands? And I believe that God didn't just call the leaders, the pastors here to share the message of God's love. I believe that he's called John, that there's, there's someone that's assigned to John. There's someone that's assigned to Margie. There's someone, oh, by the way, someone's here, a friend of Lucas, TJ. It keeps going and going. So this card is saying, who's your one? And I want you to write down the name of three people that we're going to present to God. You know, listen to me, you know. You know that one person that you've been thinking about, praying about, asking God about, and you're saying, God, I just wish, would you rescue them? Would you restore them? Would you heal them? And I want you to write their names down. I don't care how impossible it looks. I don't care if you're saying, hey, there's no way they're going to come to church. There's no way. And here's what I want you to do. I want to write you to write their name, and we're going to make a simple prayer. You can hang this on your refrigerator. This is going to be powerful, y'all. And every day when you pass by your refrigerator, or maybe you put it in a place that you know that you're going to see all the time, you're going to, you're going to recite this prayer. And I believe the kingdom of heaven 
is going to expand in Staten Island, New York, because there was one willing to reach their one. Now, here's what we're going to do. For the next two weeks, you're going to be praying. On the third week, you're going to make your invitation. Now, with that being said, your invitation is going to be for our friends and family Sunday. Can we put that up? You're going to invite them to church December 4th. Now, let me just say this. It doesn't mean that you have to wait two weeks to invite them. We're just going to pray for two weeks and then invite them. But there's some people that you could just make the invitation for. You could just say it like this. Yo, we got food at church. Come through December 4th. All right? So don't, you don't have to hold back. But there's those people that you know that they're assigned to. And I'm just believing that we're going to see some testimonies. And here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking our church for 100% participation. I'm at 100% participation. If you call Christ uncensored your home, I'm asking you for 100% participation. Pray for the three people. And then make the invite on the third week of November. And here's what I want to promise you. I'm going to share the gospel with them. I'm going to share the message of God's love with them. Here's what I want to pro- I'm going to promise you. They're not going to walk here feeling judged, condemned, or guilt-tripped. Here's what I want to promise you. At the end of that message, I'm going to make an invitation for anyone that desires to follow Jesus and place their faith in him because they've received God's grace. We're going to ask everybody to close, close their eyes and bow their heads. And as we're praying, I'm going to give you permission to look to your friend and see them raise their hand. And one day we'll be able to tell their story like we did for Lucas, like we did for Jenny, like we did for the Guterreses. Who's your one? At our dwell night, we're going to pray. Also at our connect table, there's a stack of 25 cards. I just want you to grab one and invite people. December 4th, we're going to make our official invitation for our one. I wrote some names here that the Holy Spirit put in my heart. Okay, we're going to pray. It's baptism Sunday, y'all. I think this is fitting and... Margie, I didn't plan to do this with you, but could you come up here for a second, Margie? I'm sorry. I know. I'm just doing it today. I know Margie for many years. And um, she was the young lady that I would walk in to the diner and see. And I didn't have a church building, so all my church meetings were at the diner. (laughs) And, you know, from time to time, I would invite her to church. I know you for how long? Probably over 10 years. Maybe longer than 10 years. 
not on a personal level. But then one day, one night, we walked in the diner at like two o'clock in the morning or something like that. She sits us down. She says, okay, tell me about this Jesus thing. That day was the day that the seed was planted. It took time, maybe six months later, Margie showed up to church. She just completed Grove Track. She had to be baptized. Can we give it up one more time for Margie? Amen. Thank you so much. Give it, give it up for Margie. Okay. So, maybe you're here today and you didn't come to get baptized, but you've heard the message of God's love for the first time. And you're saying, Pastor Roe, I want to place my faith in Jesus. I want to start following Jesus. If that's you in this place, I would love for you to raise your hand at the count of three. But I also want you to raise your hand to say, I think I'm going to get baptized. And you might say, I can't get baptized because I don't have clothes. We got clothes for you. You might say, I can't get baptized because we don't have photography or, or I should say my family's not here, not here. Can I tell you, we have photography here and video that's going to capture these moments so that you can send it to your family. What am I trying to say? Don't let anything hold you back. Well, how, Pastor, how am I going to dry myself? Well, we got towels in the building. At the count of three, I want you to lift, your, lift up your hands. If you wish to get baptized or you came to get baptized, one, Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day. Three, lift up your hand all over this room. Come on, there it is, 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 there it is. Would you now be willing to come, start walking to your left? Come outside your eyes. Come on, can we give it up for Jesus?